Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 649 with Lisa Astorga Wattel. Open the door. Open the door. Fill up your heart with all your knowledge. If you love cooking, get out there. Go move. Move. Go to Los Angeles. Go anywhere. Just Santa Fe, wherever the place that you would love to. Get the chance. People are going to see it. People are going to see it. You're always going to be shining if you want to shine. You're always going to shine for other people. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a restaurant unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Lisa Estorga. What tell Lisa are you feeling unstoppable today? Very unstoppable. Awesome. <laughs> that is what we like to hear. So chef owner Lisa Astorga Wattel grew up in Santiago, Chile before moving to Houston, Texas, where she attended the Culinary Art Institute, also where she opened her first business, a catering business to cover the expenses of being in school. She was then a private chef for celebrity Tommy Lee Jones. And it was during this time where in her career where she was able to travel the world, developing her palate and her culinary repertoire. It was also during this time that she met her future business partner and uh life partner, Chef Damien Wattel, who we're going to be speaking to really shortly. I can't wait for that conversation as well. Uh, together, the, the couple owns Bite and Bistro 9. I cannot wait to dive into your story to find out how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? I am so happy to <laughs> be here. I'm happy to have you. Yeah, there's one specific that I think it's beautiful. Um, it's like shoot the moon. If you miss, you hit a star. Ooh, I love it. Just about in. never, yeah. never stop. You know, always go for big. I love it. I love it. And it's so true. When we make big goals, sometimes we get hard on ourselves when we don't meet those goals. Yes. But also we have to remember like, what would, what would we have not like what, think about what you accomplished trying to reach the, those crazy goals. You, you came so far and even though maybe you don't miss the goal, um, 
or you make the goal, you're, you're going to accomplish so much more by just having that goal, right? Absolutely. I love Absolutely. it. So where does the story start for you? Take us to where it makes sense. Because uh, you were originally a, a fashion student, right? That was your original passion, fashion? Yes. That so was, take us. Yes. And um, it takes a lot of, um, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, fashion and food and art, but um, I was more driven for the cooking more than than the fashion but it's, I mean it's still on me yeah but. so how did you get involved in cooking where did that all start um I always cook with my grandmother since I'm little and my okay. mom so it's always like food and friends over so I was always involved in the kitchen I didn't know that was gonna be that uh I was gonna make that as a career yeah because before it was just men in the kitchen yeah. you know so you know lucky I got you know I went to the art institute just to see the fashion part, and I got stuck in floor number four, which was the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> so can you bring us back to a specific memory, um, an experience you had that really influenced you to really want to start living intentionally to pursue this life of culinary and, and hospitality? Um, while I was going to school, I opened my first uh, catering company, so I was 22. Okay. And that I got driven by, you know, just... It, Teachers will help me out through because I didn't, you know, bunch of experience. So teachers will help me to do um, different caterings. I went to Norway, cater a couple of. Uh, I want to get into that catering. I think that's really interesting. But was there one experience that you had before you decided to commit to culinary school? But like, was there one kind of a straw that broke the camel's back? So they say that that took you off the path of of fashion and on the path of culinary. Um, because it was just art. I love yeah. just, and I guess the, the, um, the feeling that when you're in the kitchen, the, when you get something done and it's beautiful and tastes wonderful flavors, I think that got me out of just drawing and patterns. What specific feelings really resonated with you? Um, I, happy. I was just completely happy. Just doing it, the, it, the work of actually, was it the, which, which process really kind of made you the most happy? The, the the experience, just the the feeling that I got every time that I got into the teacher and you know meeting some other people and just being in something that it was so nervous, you yeah. know the how do you say the um, the fear that conquered my all feelings and it's just something that I I pursue and that got me driven for the rest what I'm doing right now. I love it. I love it. So when you decided to uh, study culinary, uh, you know, to go to school for culinary, at what point were you, like, when did this idea to start your own catering business start? I think that's super ambitious. Not many people while in school start their own business. What was the reason for you starting your own business? Um, I had um, very good connections with uh, uh, people from Norway, from Denmark, um, and they needed somebody to help out with with some catering so if you know anybody that could help us out here so how did you get connected with people from because Norway they said do you know China? anybody to help us and i said me okay you know yeah. and I, but how do you have a company you said no but one second <laughs> maybe i should <laughs> so i i i got into i look you know how how it's possible to do that and all the process and um yeah the next week i had my company and let's do it so where, how far along were you in your studies before you, you started this business? Were you a year, a in, year. Two, a year, a year. in? So after a year of taking culinary classes, yeah. you start this. You decide that you can handle your own um, catering business. I think that's incredible. Um, so what things did you start to do to set yourself up for success in that business, being so green? 
Um, I had, I had, to, of course, I asked questions to my teachers. They were very supportive. Everybody that was there when I was going to school. So I had help from the teachers, you know, and that's very something that I, I'm so grateful. Um, and some other students, they were two years, you know, ahead of me. So I hired the staff from the school to help me out. So it was one, one winner and it was a big company. So it's not, you know, it was good money for everybody. <laughs> I love it. So the big things I'm pulling from this part of your story mm-hmm. is just take that chance. Like if there's an opportunity, take the opportunity and fake it till you make it right. Just start and get in there and you might not know all the answers, but does, that doesn't mean you can't learn. Right. That doesn't mean you can't when you're in school, especially you have that access to that network of people who've done this their entire life, plus access to hungry, ambitious students. Uh, why not start a business while you're in college? Why not push the envelope? Why not take that time to fall on your ass when you still can, when you're young and you can recover easily, right? Right. I, I did it. I just, it was one day at a time. And of course it was scary, you know, in between, but you know, we always have that driven to make you pull, pull you forward. Um, and if I had to do it again, I will. I mean, it was an amazing experience. I met so many people. And because of that, I got hired, you know, in, bed, in a better job. I worked for a year and a half for Sodexo. And uh, that was a great experience. And after that, I got this amazing opportunity to work for, for as a private chef. I think that's the other variable too is when you take these chances when you're younger, it shows people that you're you're hungry, that you're ambitious, that you're willing to start things and that you're going to create opportunities for yourself. What were the biggest lessons you learned during this process of starting your first business and getting involved in catering? Um, the responsibility of it. It's, it's tough. The, um, the way to manage the other side, the money and all that. So like I said, it was a huge experience um but i what did you learn about managing money oh my god <laughs> is that a question <laughs> yes it is well you know you're always in a budget to do so a lot of math involved with um getting the um appraisal 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 yeah um for you know how much it was the budget of the company so and i'm talking about there was like 60 to 100 150 200 people catering wow. without me having a kitchen wow so i it's like i said i i struggle with things so but that didn't stop me to 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 be a success and i learned from little mistakes of course yeah so you learn from budgeting the importance of having a budget to make sure you can pay all these people right because i mean after i get paid on my first one i need to save that money to buy more stuff for my next one and for my next one and with that i start getting kitchen equipment you know shafers all the little stuff that so I invested in that so I don't have to rent it. Yeah. So, How long did your business go? Um, until, um, well, let me see, maybe four or five years. And after that, I started traveling and that kind of put it away. But I had enough to, to do that. I did my internship in Europe. And um, I work in different restaurants uh, to, for free mm-hmm. to get knowledge. So I came back within a year and I've been through a lot, but oh, it was man. fun. So even though the people that you know there and the chefs, they were so nice to recommend me, hey, if you're going to go to Sweden, I'll 
there's a guy right there. And the first thing oh, I man, went, I want to get into that because it's so important to stage, to get out there, to work for free, to, to build again, to you know build on your resume. But what was any big lessons before we get into you going overseas to the stage and to learn from some of these mentors? Mm-hmm. What was the biggest lesson you learned from starting your own business? Um, the, how did you transform? What was how did you come out of that experience of being a, a young business owner to like, you know, going on and, and working for like Tommy Lee Jones, like Jones? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, you mean the experience of from what I was doing to what? Yeah, like oh. when you when you I guess when you stopped the catering company, like who were you? Who was that Lisa versus the Lisa when just getting started? Um, I think I mean I didn't put a difference between the Lisa and catering and Lisa because Lisa always cook. Yeah. And Lisa <laughs> was always a chef anywhere, you know, or even just in a restaurant in Spain or Sweden. I was always doing something. So it was Lisa the help, Lisa the catered, Lisa the chef, Lisa, you know. So I never had that difference. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I, I it was a lot, a lot of uh, experience within a short time mm. that I did a year for the company. And then after I get hired by Tommy Lee and then uh, travel everywhere and just so this time you spent traveling that you mentioned just previously uh, was your internship, right? This was before you were involved Oh, that's involved way with... before. This okay. The internship. Yeah. And after that, I came back, graduated. So Dexo picked me up from the school um, because they go they go companies and they hire uh, uh, people. So I got selected and a year later, um, I got promoted for being a cook to being a head chef in one of their locations. This is the internship. Mm-hmm. This is the internship? This is uh, after the internship okay. that I came back and I graduated right away. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So during the internship, you said you got to work in a lot of kitchens. You were, you were even working for free. Any key mentors that stood out to you during that time that really influenced who you are today? Uh, lessons on how to act in the, the kitchen, how to just carry yourself how, in general. How do you approach, especially if you don't know the language? So, of course, I got, you know, ugly faces and you don't belong here. Get, the, get <laughs> out of here. Why are you getting that, do you think? Oh, because that's part of the kitchen. You know, it's like, you know, you just have to be nice. The chef said you could come and help out. I didn't care if it was chopping or doing something. I just want to know their difference of making a sauce, for instance. Yeah. Just, you know. Well, what year was this? Oh, God. I want to date you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably 2000 and. Three. Okay. So, I mean, even at this time. Oh, 2002. And this is like, you know, really before, still at this point, because the kitchen's a very much a male-dominated space, right? So do you think that played into it, going overseas, oh, being a God, woman? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Yes. How'd you deal with that? Um, I, I, I was, uh, I, I mean, I had four brothers, so I know how to do, I can handle, I can handle that um, male, you know, feisty, or try, you know. Kill it with kindness. Yeah. So I have a, a lot of, I'm sure, I know I have a lot of women that listen to the show. What advice do you have for those women who are in predominantly male situations um, trying to, you know, be treated as equal? And what advice do you have for that person? I guess just to be kind to your employees and be kind to people, even though you, you know, I, you get the opposite just to how you handle that. Sometimes you get so angry. Um with customers or employees, and I think they're always going to appreciate you in the end when you handle the situation with more calm. Why does that happen? More- Why do you think people appreciate more appreciate you more when you handle situations calmly? Because they will probably listen to you and they will calm themselves instead of raising voices. You know, I love it. 
Yeah. Awesome. So back to the original question, was there one restaurant during this time where you were staging that really had an influence on you, the way that they ran their kitchens, the way they led their kitchens, their restaurants? Is there one restaurant that stands out? Um, in Denmark, uh, there was one day the the way that was handled, everything was so different, you know, how clean and how uh, perfectionist they are when in the from the apron. They needed to be all the way, the high waist, like okay. up, I mean, way below your belly button, like super tight and like slick, you know? I mean, that, that was something that I was really shocked that I love to see something like that here. I mean, they're just a presentation of people yeah. from the kitchen to the, to the front. How do they maintain that standard, that high level of uh, presentation? What, were, what did they do? What was the unspoken culture that made sure people had that standard? Um, I don't know, <laughs> like the way, but it was not just one restaurant. I saw that in a lot of them, but one of the one I was working, it was beautiful. It's just stunning how, how they were like dressed and just being super professional. What did that communicate to you? How did that make you feel? What were you feeling when you see, when you saw this? I, I said, I love this. I Why? mean, just, I, I, you know, the aprons, the way, the way they handle, I mean, the kitchens, the wherever they were cooking, they were so professional. You know, it's hard to keep up with all this neat, you know. I think it's also like it what is, you see is what you get. Absolutely, right? absolutely. But like from the front, they they had, they even have like name brands in their um, shirts, like the weight staff. Um, so they were supported by Armani or Diesel, all those brands. So it was funny how to see, you know. That supporting the fashion. What things are you doing in your businesses today because of that experience? What thing are you are you conscious about presentation now? More conscious? Yes, I love that. So, what, the, give me that, an example of what you're doing now to kind of that that you know to skirt tail off of that. Like the wait staff, super nice and clean. I'm not I'm not gonna ask to do the same things over there because we'll you know they're not used to. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the the aprons. I like I designed the aprons and I you know kind of little details that I can come. And you are you're into fashion too, so you must really love those details. Yes, of course. I love it. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, stories or mentors or experiences during this time before you you joined the team? Um, there was there something in between going this time and going to work for John, Tommy Lee Jones that I'm missing. You said um, you graduated and you got employed right away. Right? right away, so I did that for a year, a little bit more uh, over a year. And then I got the opportunity to work for three months uh, as a chef for him. And um, so I called my, you know, my manager and I asked, what would you do if you have right now your job and you hit, you know, you get the opportunity of working uh, for a celebrity as a private chef? And he told me, he said, why are you asking me that? And I said, well, I'm just asking, what would you, if you, what would you do? Yeah. And he, he said, well... Um, I would just give my two weeks notice and have it open. So when I come back, I have my job and I said, can I do that? And he said, what do you mean? Don't leave me. <laughs> and I so, said, but so I, I did. And he was super respectful and yes. And I did in three months. And when the three months, just, you know, I didn't take that job off because I was 
wishing that he would call me back and he d did call me back three weeks later so, so and then i've sent in eight years later <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to dive into the experiences you had working for tommy lee jones but um this this first restaurant that you said you spent a year there uh what was it with, with your network at this point because you went you worked for a lot of chefs and, and one, i know one of your skills was building that network yes so you, it sounds like you had some options out of college right you could have gone to a multiple places is, right. is that a good assumption what was it about this place um good pay okay and um i i just went for one interview and i just got hired right away so i love the energy they had and from just being a line cook they moved me up because i brought more stuff to the you know sauces and um different way of of cooking and ideas for the menu to be a little bit more um more variety how did you how many different levels did you climb to in that one year period um, I would had I was head chef of that's right one of their yeah. So what advice do you have for somebody to go from entry level to head chef in a year? How did you do that? Um, I just show up on time. I show more than I normally do, and I pursue that. And then you show know, more. When, you said you show up on time. Show more than you normally do. What do you mean? Right, by that? Like work. Don't just follow the recipe and just do a sloppy job. You know, just hey, why don't we do this? Can we combine this? Can we, you know? Don't do what's expected right. from you. Do I always do did the opposite? Exceed. Well, not the opposite, yeah. but I a little bit more. You know, or if I was in charge of doing the soup, I would do something that is, you know, you better to me. But yeah. it, it was it was good. So, so exceeding expectations, being proactive, not just showing up. To, they, to, they were counting on me. I love it. So when they see the responsibility and that's what they want, that's what I want mm -hmm. for somebody that I hire, you know, so, I, not the calling sick, not the I'm late, uh, you know, um, responsibility. Where do you get these? Where did you learn these these uh, values of, of showing up, uh, giving it your all, being dependable and exceeding expectations? Where, where do you think you pulled that from? My mother. And my grandmother, they always push me that way, you know. Don't be a thief of people's time, mm. you know. Be Don't on be time. a thief of people's time. So right. who said that? Uh, my mom and then... <laughs> 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 and um, also Tommy Lee Jones, I heard it said that one time that not to me, but to other people, then you don't, you don't let people wait for you. You're a thief. Yeah. Of people's time. I mean, time is your most valuable asset. Mm, right? Absolutely. I love it. Um, so when you transitioned to that head chef role, this is your first leadership position aside from owning your own business. Mm -hmm. But what was that transition like uh, from transitioning from a line cook to uh, a head chef role? And the, the responsibility, of course, but it was something that I always like to be in charge. So maybe that's something in me. Yeah. That. I've been driven to do that since I'm little. Yeah. Why do you like to be in charge? Because I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so we're going to take one quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to dive into how this opportunity with Johnny, John, sorry, Tommy Lee Jones started. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions 
conclusions, no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on Prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. We're back and we're just about to dive into how you got this opportunity with Tommy Lee Jones uh, and just take it from there. So when, like, what was, how did this even become a possibility? Um, the connections is always good. Um, but to keep the job is also something to keep in mind because uh, it's an experience, of course, you know, for being a chef and to have the opportunity to put that in my resume for whatever yeah. else I want to do in the future. So, um, so that's something I picked up just researching you. One of your, you know, your assets, one of your skills is networking. What advice do you have for networking? How did you pull these strings? How did you set, set this up in a way that we can replicate in our own lives? I think a part of that is, is luck, of course, but um, there's always something, you know, either a chef that recommends you either and the way you learn from things and how do you carry yourself in front of people, um, how they, you learn. And I guess you have that, you, people can feel it. So when they're, um, when you, sh- uh, secure about yourself and then you show that and then, um, when you get to say hi and shake hands with somebody and say, hi, I have a restaurant and then they'll continue talking to you and they want to see, well, I need a chef. Mm. So all those things, uh, they're come along with the experience, your your reputation at this point, it's clear that you have a good reputation. You're you're busting your butt, Mm -hmm. making a name for yourself, exceeding expectations, being dependable. Those are some great assets to have as a person in this industry because it's really hard to find dependable people. It's really hard to, to get that person that's willing to exceed expectations, right? So how you show up every day, that, that, that name is worth its weight in gold, right? It's, it's a hard work, you know, um, but it's, it's having the want and the need to be that person, not just, well, no, because maybe I, I'm not that good or maybe I just, you know, if you don't, you want it, you want it. Get mm-hmm. that driving part of, of, of you. And that's why I got, you know, um, I worked for him for eight years, but that's a lot of sacrifice <laughs> to sure live out of your suitcase. Yeah, um, I can relate. But I use all those years to to improve and to good networking and all that too, like you say. So how did you even get this opportunity? What was the connection that you had with Tommy Lee Jones? Well, um, I was married before. Uh, in between all my crazy roller coaster life, uh, so yeah, so I was involved in the polo, um, uh, polo, to, to, to the, polo the, sport? the sports okay. horses. So um, that was a good experience in between, um, and I got to meet him because my ex husband used to work as a polo player for him, and he was uh, a polo player for Tommy Lee. Yes, because so, Tommy Tom- Lee has a, a, polo, a polo team. Oh, okay. I didn't- Cool, interesting. So, and that also, like I said, I wasn't, I was going to culinary school. So that's how I got to meet the people. And then since I knew 
Then I was a chef. Then that's why I got hired for three months because they didn't have anybody to cook for them. But then I quit my job to do that. And there you go. So your ex-husband um, put it on your radar that there was a job opportunity, basically. And then you just went for it. Right. Awesome. So what was this lifestyle change like? You, you're, you're a student um, to working for you know full-time, 60 hours a week plus, I'm sure, <laughs> head chef to a, a personal chef or a celebrity. What was that transition like? Um, at the beginning, a little difficult um, because it was... Not as many hours because a private chef, you just take care, you know, um, and just for two people or four. So it was not a restaurant. It was not the massive work. So um, the transition was good. And then after that, it's getting because we went to movie sets and different places and travel. And and so the one thing I can say that was struggle is <laughs> uh when you think there's two and then all of a sudden he brings 20 people. Oh. <laughs> I can see how that might be an issue. <laughs> right. And that was a couple of times that I said, well, I mean, he, and then he said from now on, just cook for 15 and we'll see, we'll figure it out what we do with the food. And I said, perfect. But uh, be in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes between Louisiana, there's not many, uh, you know, not good food, like whole yeah. foods. So yeah. Yeah. Those, Nice. Um, and one of the things that Damien helped me a lot is every time that I was in the middle of nowhere, he would ship me stuff from the restaurant. So that was a huge help. And that's why I loved him because <laughs> he helped me so much. So was it during this time um, working for Tommy Lee that you met Damien? Yes. Okay. When did that happen? What, in the um, and I think it was in 2004, something like so that. So not too long after starting to right. work. Okay. Right. So how did you guys cross paths? Um, I was coming here in San Antonio. Okay. Um, I used to live in Houston. Gotcha. So I was traveling Houston, uh, their ranch, San Antonio, so everywhere. So every time I was here, Damien had, uh, Mr. Battelle and he introduced me to, to him and Mark Bliss back in the days. And uh, actually we met in Palm Beach, sorry, in Wellington. Um, but then I started, you know, coming to San Antonio and visited their restaurant because everybody was so that was my friends here <laughs> so you had a basically your connection in san antonio who would get you obviously damien being your connection the the the, the food the, the materials that you would need to be able to, to cook at tommy lee Jones there was there was a lot there was a lot of of shipping um because i couldn't get you know uh i had to drive like two three hours to go to you know uh, yeah grocery store wow. especially independent like i said the the movie sets were in the middle of nowhere sometimes yeah and it was really hard for me to go and drive all the way out there and come back yeah in the same day so you're taking a, a really non-traditional path from most of my guests that come on the show most of my guests will work in the industry for a long time and and, and network and and you know grow their their team of people and go open their own place but you you took this 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 uh, route through becoming a, a personal chef. Um, what advice do you have for somebody who's maybe thinking that that might be a lifestyle they want? Because this is an area where we get a lot of advice. Yeah, a private chef. Um, if it's for, or, I mean, for a regular family, it's one thing. Um, but when it comes to um, actors and all that, there's a lot of traveling involved, so it's different. So that's, you know, that's why I didn't have any kids back then. I didn't. So I just dedicated myself. I'll be living out of my suitcase for a while. And I was okay with it. 
And then if you are in a family, it's you can adjust easily easier and I think it's a little easier that way. So if you're but if you're it, cooking for a family, you can adjust easier. Yes, gotcha. yes, because you're probably going to be in one, two, three houses. Yeah, but it's always going to be more manageable. Yeah, than you going, can get into a routine. Absolutely, yes. So I think that's something that's worth mentioning. Um, the 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 tr- the the struggles that come with constant travel, being in a different place all the time. What was that like? Um, was it? Could, did you handle it well? Were you? Did it ever get old? Did you ever get lonely? Oh my God. Yes. I bet. Yes. It, it got old. Yes. Um, but the lonely part, yes, a lot. What so. are some of the other things people don't consider when they, th- they think about this path of, of a personal chef that they should know about before taking that route? Um, well, the, the restaurant, it's so much demanding and it's so much work that a personal chef is more one-on-one. So I think, uh, um, you will learn a little more in a restaurant and then if, get the experience first and then apply for a private chef. There's a lot of opportunities. Like I wanted to go and um, in Miami, they have this ships, they have their own private chefs and that's fun because you get to be in the boat and those yachts. And yeah. that was, you know, my dream back then until I got this job. Um, but um, there's a lot of opportunities. It's just that, to open your eyes and see what will be good. And especially if you're young, um, you know, get the opportunity. There's so much stuff online right now. Even now, the, they needed a crew for uh, a week or two. And that's that's a lot of money involved. So it's not, um, um, how do you say, uh, it's not a guarantee, you know, like a full-time job. But it's a good time if you not a lot of security. Not exactly, not a lot of security. But it's if you're young and you don't care and you want to get the experience and the fun and travel, go ahead. And after that, you will get called back again, or you'll be in, you know, so you'll be relocating somewhere. Either it could be yachts, it could be somebody's house, especially in all these islands. You can go to from there, from Miami, you can be in Europe in no time. So you don't have a lot of control over where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing, which is exciting. I never if, did. If, yeah. If, if that's <laughs> your, your thing, then, you know, if you love to live an adventure, then great. Live right. that adventure. But know that it's not all, you know, celebrities and glitz and glam. No. It's, it, it's mm-hmm. a lot of loneliness. It's a lot of on, travel being that's by a, yourself. That's a down part of yeah. being by myself and, and I, being yeah. a different you know, place and for I can two relate. months. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can relate to that. I mean, me traveling to all these great restaurants, getting to eat at these great restaurants, and I get to experience all these great things. But when mm-hmm. you experience things alone, people don't really highlight that, you know, things aren't really as enjoyable when they're not shared, right? Yes. So this is something that you need to have in the back of your mind when, if, you're, if you're looking at this path. Um, what's your craziest Tommy Lee Jones story, if you're allowed to say? <laughs> Let me see. Yeah. Um... He always one every time he's at the at the ranch, he always make me um he handed me a book, you know, said just pick anything from here. I love anything. So it's called the White Trash Cookbook. <laughs> and I'm like, Don't do this to me. <laughs> so there's I mean, it's funny because the I mean of course I had a blast trying to do that, but of course I had to modify it because yeah. it's really it's really tough. So, you know, they have that red-eye gravy that is made with a <laughs> leftover coffee. Jesus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but, like, little things like that, that put, he always put me on the edge of doing something. So, 
be scared. <laughs> Do one thing every day that scares you. Yeah. Awesome. Any other it's advice from this, this uh, lifestyle of living on the road, uh, this experience that you had? Anything you can shed on myself and my listeners and make us better before moving on to the next chapter of your life? Just take the chance. And there's always a way to modify things while you're doing it. By any, by any yes or any, anything, you're always going to get accomplish something good for yourself. Beautiful. Either, either uh, a big mistake. Those are good. You'll never do them again. Just be patient with yourself. Think. You don't have to take the, the um, answer right away. But just confident. I love it. Um, so what was the next chapter? in your life uh when did you realize that you had enough of the celebrity chef thing what what took you off that path and got you on this new path of being a restaurateur um i it, that come to an end when um i was ready to have a family i was ready to settle down besides the restaurant i mean uh, even i was not even thinking of opening a restaurant myself because i know how much yeah that hard work is <laughs> So, so yeah, so I started working with Damien, you know, got married. So, so after that, I was like, what, I'm not doing anything right now. What am I going to do? So in <laughs> <So>. 2003 <laughs> is when you started with uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, correct? Yeah, so in 2000, let me see, I'm, I'm hard to, um, Damien and I got married in 2010. Okay. So, so seven years. So you were married right. while working for Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, oh, there was a little bit of an overlap there. Yeah, overlap. Yes. Okay. So I mean, we were dating for a couple. Uh, well, I was working okay. with him, with Tommy. So, um, and then after, like I said, I, I, it was in two thousand and nine. Um, yes, I departed. And I yeah. said I have, I needed to be stable in one place. You know, my time has come. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. And um, yeah, so I moved from Houston. And then I just settled my life here and, you know, we had a son. So, um, and I was helping Damien with, um, and the, my mother-in-law, she opened a cafe. So I was in everywhere just putting my seeds and yeah. see what I can do. <laughs> so this is, um, so did you, I'm assuming that you must have opened a couple of restaurants with Damien uh, going through that process. Yes, we did the, the um, bakery that okay. my mother-in-law was working there. And we did the Café des Artistes, which was inside the Museum of Art. So it was always something to do. So what were some of the lessons you were learning? Because this is your, you know, not your first time business owner because you had the catering company. But this is the first time that you're um, opening businesses with your husband, right? What were some of the lessons that you learned that you, the hard way along the way, any mistakes you guys made? Uh, was the first business, uh, the bakery for you when you that you were a part of? Um, yes. Well, it, uh, I helped to open it. I mean, like from the chairs to involved with with um, hiring the people and the same thing with the cafe because after that it was another cafe. So I was mostly over there. So it, it was a lot to learn because it's a small business, not a company. Yeah. You know, that you can order Cisco um, and then everything is there. You know, you talk, again, the budget because you're using yep. your money to do the expenses and all That's that in the menu and the menu that you always do, too. You're not going to put, you know, since you're not using anybody's money, you're using your own. That's what it changes because, you know, you have to make your menu, what you can have, what what you produce, what just, what is local. You know, so it's not like the big company. Like I said, I, I had the experience of order whatever I wanted yeah. without me paying a check. Yeah. 
So what's that transition like from going to being able to order whatever you want to then being the person that has you, to? Then, then you go and do your menu <laughs> yeah. and do your budget and see if, you know, and after that, what sells, what not, what you want your menu to look like for other people. Who's your people? Where's the area that you are? Um, who will come to your restaurant? So it, it depends, you know, like the cafe needed to be more cafe food instead of the bistro, you know? So it's knowing your your clientele, mm-hmm. who is going to walk in your door. How do you know your clientele? What are, what things do you do it's, to it, do that research? Is, is it a gut feeling? or are It's you an area there? in who goes to the cafe. You know, so the name also, you, you went the bakery. Of course, it was French bakery. That was a high expectation of having beautiful pastries, bread, and all that. So that's that's a that's a huge job, but I would never want to do. Get up at three in the morning, get those people to start making the bread. That's um. <laughs> <laughs> so when you in uh, when you and Damien were coming together and you know planning your life together, uh, joining each other in marriage. Uh, what was the vision for your life, the two of you? Because you you mentioned briefly that you never wanted to really get back into restaurants. Cause you knew how much work it was. Um, but I didn't here say, you are. I didn't say no, <laughs> but I had to think about it a couple of times just to see. What are my other options? Yeah. So what pulled you back in? What was it that ultimately pulled you back into the restaurant industry? Because I'd never done it and I wanted to do something that, why not? Mm. I always had that in me. So I'm not going to say no something, you know, let's, let's do it. And Damien has a lot of uh, experience. I don't think I would do that myself if it wasn't for his backup plan and help out. And that's a, that was a great learning experience that, that I had from him, especially after all this restaurant that he's yeah. been having. So I had a, I had a good backup. You yeah. Know? And we keep on talking about Damien. Uh, I'm not getting into too much detail there because he's on deck. He's going to be literally sitting in the seat you're sitting in. As soon as we wrap up, he's going to sit down and share his story. Um, but real quick, you know, Damien at this point in his career has almost 30 years of experience in his career. When you're, when you're opening these restaurants on the timeline uh, between Dallas and San Antonio. So, I mean, he's your life partner. He's also your business partner. What advice do you have when selecting partners? What is it about your partnership that works so well? We both do the same, um, the cooking part. So that's how we learn from each other. Our personalities, too, are good. He's more the calm down. (laughs) I'm more the party one, the one more driven. Let's go. Let's do it. So he's the one. You're the risk taker. He's the... Oh, my God. I'm the risk taker. (laughs) Yes. And we have a good... um, communication um we work well together and what i think that communication look like? com- communication we're not the, te- the couple that go and talk about life and talk about you know we have a good communication when it comes to we support each other because there's a lot of stress so i have my space he has his space and when it, it, we need each other like we go and, and talk you know so it, it, we we know each other um um you can communicate you without can communicate using without, words. without using words or without, you know, exploding, you know. Uh, so when, when that's about to happen, that mean, that mean, know we that know that I need to give he, each other He runs space. from the back <laughs> of the kitchen and I run the front. So, you know, we, we learn about each other that way. So it's good to respect spaces so we don't cross each other's. So boundaries. was it always a part of the plan to get you back into the kitchens? Like, you know, after you, your, your son got to an age or maybe, I think it was more him to get out of his kitchen. <laughs> so you were like a relief for him. 
well, you know, we did another business. So it means yeah. that you take care of that, take care of that, and it works out. So together, I, I know, I know, uh, Damien alone has opened nine restaurants, and Bistro Nine is, is, is an homage to his ninth restaurant. Mm-hmm. How many restaurants was he up to uh, when you came into the picture? Um, four. Four restaurants. So. Um, what were some of the lessons you've learned about restaurants, the additional five that you've opened together? Um, any lessons, any good experiences, bad experiences, things you did right, things you wish you would have done differently, knowing what you know now? Um, hire the right people. Uh, take their time to get the best out of them. Sometimes they just come from beaten kitchens. They don't, they don't know how to develop their skills, and they're very good at it. And they're scared because they always t- told them no. You do. You follow the menu. So that's something that I, you know, let th- if they want to let them, let them make the sauce. Try it. Give them the experience. They're always going to show up. When I, I, I saw that instead of just telling them no, there's so many talented people. They apply, but they're shut down, and they just want to follow recipes and not. And that's something that I wish I would have kept a few more. Yeah. So. If you so, just to kind of summarize it, in that experience where you have somebody who's on your team who has what it takes, you can see that they have what it takes, but maybe they don't have the experience because of their prior kitchens. They didn't. They weren't teach um, them. Yeah, they weren't in, uh, given that freedom to to grow, to try things because it was you know there wasn't the culture of the kitchen in the kitchens that came from. Give them that opportunity, teach them, let them explore, let them grow. How do you do that? How do you give them the the banks, the guidelines to, to steer them in the right direction? First of all, they're hungry for knowledge. Mm-hmm. You can tell that because they're there. They, they're doing, they're watching, they writing things down, they writing recipes. They love to be there. And then when yeah. you, when you see that, that's, they want it. That's they're hungry cue. for that's Yes. And that's what, that's the cue. So what do you do when you see that? What are the things that you do? Um, then I'll go, so, you know, how much you, you know, how much, you know, what, what would you like to learn? You, so you I put, I, you put, yeah, you put them in different stations, mm-hmm. you know, how many dishwashers we have, they're not head chefs because we give them the opportunity and those are good guys that want to work. Yeah. And how do you know what type or what level of freedom to give them? You know, you see that they well, have, it, it's they, not from one day to another. Yeah, it takes them two time. or three years, but mm-hmm. they know every station. So they're a part of the family, you mm. know? And those are the ones you want to keep, you mm-hmm. know, not the ones they call in sick, they are in late, and they're unhappy with what they're doing. So were there experiences where you, there were some people that had that spark in their eye that wanted it, but they weren't quite there yet skill-wise that you had to let go? Like, what was the, how did you learn this lesson? Um, sometimes you overstaffed, you know, when, especially when you open. Yeah. So now we try to give them a little more time to see who belongs and who doesn't belong. Okay. So there's a lot of people out there that are, they, they're worth to to, to hire. Um, and there's other people that came in with thinking they know it all. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you wish they would get the opportunity to the one they wanted. Yeah. You know, sometimes, uh, or they don't have the uh, culinary experience, but they know way more than the people they got out of school. So. I love it. Any other big lessons you've learned? Again, of five restaurants um, opening, you've closed at least three because you have two that are open now. Any lessons you learned from the restaurants you had to close? Uh, yes the the zoning. Zoning. Yes. Get into that. The zoning. Um, we had a restaurant all the way in Stone Oak, so we didn't know we should have uh, uh, see who 
what restaurants were there. Where is Stone Oaks in relation to it's, San Antonio? It, uh, probably like 20 minutes from here. It's part of San Antonio, but it was too young, okay. that area. Mm-hmm. So we just, you know. And what were the issues with the zoning specifically? Uh, the people. The people, they're not, they're more families. They don't go out. This were more foodie. They, we were more French. So we're just a bad location. So when you say zoning, zoning. Zoning, zoning is like you have to, you have to um, study who, what, who lived there. What are the people? Are there foodies? Or um, how would you? You can't just put a French restaurant in the middle of a place that it's they don't you know. Yes. You know you have to put like a hamburger place in order to you know get people in the door. So it's zoning. That's what we call it. See what who lives there, what they like, what are the restaurants around it. So you can't put a, a French bistro in the middle of a lot of chain restaurants. Mm-hmm. So basically do your research, right? Make sure that yes. what you want to create is something that's wanted in that neighborhood. And you do that by looking at the people that live there. And what specific things would you look for today if you were doing that same situation? Like what details would you be looking for? Um, like detail, like you go like, for instance, with the bite uh, is located. It's in the middle of like around King William. So people have Viardi. So that was like a, a jewel, you know, that we did with a little, um, with brunch, you know, the success and, and it's tiny, it's a tiny place. So it was perfect. Yeah, and that was- But I did the same thing. I'm not like, you know, that was a new area upcoming in the middle of the old. So at the beginning I was scared, but then, you know, say, Hey, this is just an upcoming area. This, yeah. you know, I only signed my three year lease, but now I'm in year eight and I'm still kicking. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, was was Bite around before this restaurant that you guys tried to open outside of San Antonio? Like, No. No? no. Okay. So take us. So Bite's kind of like your namesake restaurant. Like That's your baby, right? Your vision. Yes. Is that safe to say? What was your vision for, for Bite? What were you trying to create? Take us through that process of opening Bite. Uh, eclectic menu. The stuff that I travel um, with, uh, you know, in Spain. Uh, chef that I learned from. So I just put something fun and something for everybody, you Next, know. In something that I'm hearing from you, it's an extension of you, your right. life, your experiences. Why is that important? Because um, that's that's me. You know, that's what I learn, and I I love to share that with people to go sit down and enjoy. Why does why does it have to be a part of you? Some people say you don't build restaurants for yourself; you build restaurants for your community. Think about your your end product, your guest, uh, not yourself. But other people say you know it needs to have that that you, your uh, you identity. Have to, I, yes, that that's exactly why. Why it, is that? Why do you think it's so important? Because it's important for you, and it's important for your customers because they're not going to go get in if not knowing who is behind. Like I love all the recipes that I go and I know their recipes and they're friends, chefs of mine. And I go because I love what they do, mm. you know? So, so I, I, I did it because of the way I, I approach a restaurant. If I go, I want to see who's behind or what it is. People don't do business with, you know, walls and chairs and tables uh i mean those things are important they influence our guests but ultimately at the end of the day people are doing business with other people they want to give money to the people that are behind the business so what i'm hearing is you need to have an that business needs to be an extension of who you are yes because they're that's you know the guests are coming to 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 see you to be a part of you it's the essence essence come from within the guy or woman that is behind the the idea Mm -hmm. and the idea it's your knowledge 
you know, uh, like Damien. I mean, every time he's always he's always been so consistent in his cooking, and I love it. You know, same thing for me. Um, I have a little bit more variety than he does, so we learn from each other also uh, with uh, ingredients or techniques. So I think it's it's supposed to be a a, a lot from you than just to open just because of the business. For that, just you know, get a uh, uh, a chain or a franchise <laughs> yeah. if you want to continue somebody else's recipe, but it doesn't have the heart. Yeah, I love it. So what things as regarding business, I mean, we kind of identified that you need to have part of your soul, part of your identity tied to that restaurant. Uh, but what else about this business, the operational side, have you guys done well that has con- that has contributed to its success? The the well, I mean, like I said, we don't travel a lot. We we just hear presence. every day the presence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have we love to see our customers, and you know, every time they come here, it's hard for us to miss us. Mm-hmm. But it's we're here. You know, we their customers, their friends, their you know. So having those relationships, the, having that presence, has con- contributed to your success. A lot of people get burnt out because they they recognize that they need that presence. They need to be there. How have you have you been burnt out? Have you gotten to that point? Have you ever wanted to take a break from it? Yes, but we call that vacation. <laughs> so do you make do you make it a point to, to schedule vacation in? Yeah, we haven't done a couple of years, but you know, you have to be dedicated mm-hmm. to when you open something new to be there. So like you, this you, one is open in, in March, so we haven't all the summer. You know, we didn't do anything, but it doesn't mean it pays off because it's sacrifices. So you're here, or are you? Would you say you're at Bistro Nine more than you are at Bite these days? Um, I, yes, I took a little break. I mean, I, I'll go at Bite. I'm there more the weekends. Okay, but um, I'm there. So you know, but then they know I'm here. So so you talked. Yeah, I you, have my clientele, so yeah. they know. So where is she? <laughs> so you, you mentioned the importance of that presence, right? And how do you maintain that level of presence at one location? Oh, always says your essence is presence. Your essence is presence. Yeah. So that's why we mentioned earlier, you get to have that that the little bit of your own stank on the brand, right? It, it has your- <laughs> to be. That's what it makes us happy. Yeah. So you're you're there uh, because you've recreated yourself in that space as well. Yes. Okay. How do you make sure that that presence that you've created um, echoes within the walls, even when you're not there? What things do you do to make sure that your presence is there, even when you're not physically there? My staff. Okay, get into detail. How do you how do you imprint yourself on your staff? They, you know, I I love my staff. They they had a good, um, it's a, it's always a good ambience there. So everybody that worked there, they know they always have a good time. They know that, um, you know, they they help they help me out. I make them part of my team. We all work together. How do you and without them, them I'm not successful. How do you make them feel like they're a part of the team? That they that you need them to be successful. How do they? Because recognize you them? let them. You let them do to do a little bit of what they like. I said it earlier. Let them, you know, experience like my chef, my cooks. They always do something outside of the the what we do, you mm. know, and they're good at it. And they're happy because their creation is something. And sometimes when I put in the special, I put their names. You know, they're so happy. And it sells. And it's good. So it's your essence, but it's also you have to let some of their essence peek through, right? Right. And what's happening when you let their essence peek through? What what do you think is going on inside their mind? I mean, they have customers that go and they go in the kitchen. And they go say hi to the chef even when I'm not there. Or, you know, so it's how they work in the records. Hi, sir. You know, so it's like you go where they know you. They, yeah. they know we know their names and we greet them and we know what they like. We know what they what they drink, what they don't like, how they want it to have. You know, we, we know them. Yeah. So when you have the manager, the waiter, you know, 
And we, every somebody new working, we do the introduction. This is so and so. They like this and this. And after that, we introduce him. This is new. Oh, okay. Nobody likes new people in a restaurant all the time. Yeah. So I try to keep it as much as I can with having the same staff, and we learn from each other. I love you know? it. So Bistro Nine, um, your latest restaurant, almost uh, like what eight months now? You guys opened in January, in February, March. March. So going on six months now. What has it been like? What have the first six months been like? How are, how are things going? Great, great. We went through summer, so was, we're going to see now how how it is real because yeah. the holidays and the there's a lot going on right now. So it was March, April, like super busy, and then the the break for the summer. So you know it was. What were your biggest challenges getting open? What do you mean? When you're, when oh. you're opening the process of, of converting the space and getting ready for, for business, what were your biggest challenges? Uh, to keep the staff. <laughs> keep the staff. <laughs> yes, the because it's a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, they're all fresh and new. So the staff and be there in um, the menu and the recipes and uh, that you know we have we have some people that came from the other restaurant to help us out bar wise so that's the easy part but the recipe and how the cooking because we have a lot of customers from the other restaurant they already know how the mussels are made what ingredients we use you know so it was a little it's a process but and you guys had to basically start from scratch in this space if i did yes. a little bit of research like you basically you know the the walls are the same like we left the, the, the walls, support, but mm-hmm. everything inside those walls are, are completely are different. different. And you, did I see you were hoping to get open by like October of 2018, right? Originally, yes. And then you were open by March, so almost like six months later. So it's always construction. There's always something. Yeah. There's always drags. But you were preparing to open for October, so you're you're hiring people, you're bringing people on, you're anticipating that opening, and then all of a sudden, six months later, it was the it was the building that was not finished on mm-hmm. time. So, so we lessons? couldn't hire people without having yeah. a kitchen ready. What would you have done differently, knowing what you know now after this experience? Would you have done anything differently to open? Um, well, the only reason that we took longer was the building. So there's nothing we could do. We did as much as we can. But we had fun in the design because we had more time to get order some funky yellow chairs we got the tile from somewhere else so it was it was a process and we're recording this with a video too so if you're listening to this on the (laughs) podcast i'll have the video going live hopefully simultaneously and i'll have some b-roll some some images of the restaurant the space so you can see what we're talking about um what did you guys do right knowing what you know reflecting back on this execution this is your ninth restaurant what things do you guys think you did right to set yourself up for success uh, the location, I think it's beautiful. So it's right is- in the middle of Alamo Heights. Okay. It's a beautiful area. Um, what makes a good th- location? What do you mean when you're saying beautiful area? But like what, what are the things that really contribute to a good location? The space. The space is gorgeous. And it's uh, the area High is... Ceilings, it, we, all of brick. Our, yeah. our customers um, from the other restaurant, yeah. yeah, they live around here. So it's close by. They're walking distance. Yep. So, so that's another mm-hmm. huge thing right there. You can compound off the relationships you've already developed. You're not... 20 minutes away in another town, right? right, right. So you're, you're, you can promote this business to the relationships that you've already developed with right. your previous business. Why right. is that so important? Um, well, it's, it's pretty uh, obvious. It's, right? it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's us. I mean, Damien, before uh, I came along, but we have those connections and people yeah. were waiting for us to open again because we are, you know, 
the hotels, yeah. the cooking and our ingredients and all the menu, it's about us. Yeah. So, and people are used to that. So, I love it. So, so anything that we, anything that you're hoping we would discuss up to this point, anything that's near and dear to your heart, any areas of strengths that you have that we didn't get to tap into that you can drop on us before we, we move into the speed round? Just work hard, you know, take the next step. Don't just get, the, don't just sit there and let life go pass you by, you know, just Take open chance, the door, open right? the door, yeah. fill up your heart with all your knowledge. You know, if you love cooking, get out there, go move, yeah. move, go to Los Angeles, go anywhere, just Santa Fe, wherever the place that you would love to get the chance. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And about people are going to see it. People are going to see it. Yeah. You're always going to be shining. If you want to shine, you're always going to shine there, for other people. There's no shortage of mm-hmm. opportunity nope. in this industry. And if you want it, you can get it. Put yourself out there. Uh, you know, keep your liabilities low. So you have that freedom to go out and explore um, and, and learn and to allow yourself to be influenced. Right. But you got to take that chance. Go get it. Like Lisa's saying, go get it. it. Yeah. And uh, this is one question I want to start asking all my guests and that the mission statement is to inspire, empower and transform the industry um, by making an example of people like you. So how have you transformed over the years, over that person that was just getting started into culinary school to the woman you are today? How have you transformed? Um, by being hungry for knowledge, from being humble too many times and trying to get out in the doors of people's heart. And that's why we continue doing this. And there's something I love um, and the experience. Mm. And who are, who is the person you are today versus that person you were back in the early 2000s, almost 20 years ago? Um, of course, I'm a mom. <laughs> <laughs> I have more responsibilities in the low key. Not the crazy part of, you know, the long hours. Um, but um, I'm all calm now, mm. you know. I, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to stop doing, you know, I'm probably going to start doing my dressings now and put them out there. But I'm going to, I have another, I'm not as as hungry and, you know, uh, um, uh like I was before, like always in the move eager. and less eager, yeah, eager. Yeah. Cause I learned so much and now I'm, I'm, I'm I want to do, but I want to my own pace and being the same way with presence, right? presence. And I love the, the dressing area that I'm getting soon. Um, and more patience uh, before I was just in the run and I didn't have time for myself, you know, but now I do. So I enjoy that. I love it. I love it. This has been a great conversation. Um, we're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be back to bust out a speed round. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant 
restaurants, hospitality online with Bento Box by signing up today at Get. Bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple to use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager and Google Reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google search or Google maps. That's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as 25%. To learn more about how cake makes it easy, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, you can save $750 off activation for cake point of sale. But you have to use my links again. That's trycake.com slash unstoppable. We're back, and the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Patient. What is your biggest weakness? My son. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because <laughs> I, I just, he's adorable. I mean, being able to, he, he, being able not to being be, able to be there with him all the time is your biggest weakness. Exactly. Okay. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? Honesty. How do you know you see honesty? By character. Mm. What is your biggest challenge today? The uh, the challenge every day is to open the door and be successful as the one the day before. The challenge is, is being more successful than you were the day before. How are you how are you dealing with that challenge? You're you're willing to to continue working the same ethics and same so you consistency mm. on your service and in your food. I love it. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? This is something that's Standard within your four walls, but not standard within the industry. Work together. How do you make sure people work together? By talking to each other, by helping each other. And creating a culture. And creating, and creating, creating a team, creating gotcha. themselves a team without it. me being there. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is, so this is a core value, a way to be, a way to act that you teach your team. Get on time. Uh, show by example. Don't don't waste my time. What was that saying that you said? Don't spend my time or no, don't show, show on time. Oh no, that one. Don't be a thief of people's time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant operator? A restaurant operator, Kitchen Confidential. What's the biggest lesson you got from that book? The kitchen, the kitchen part that he Anthony Bourdain was just the reality. So arc- the uh, reality. Yeah. Yes. And less yeah. of a reality today than it was maybe 20 years right, ago, right. which is a good thing. We're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. And the other one is the alchemist. Why? That's what? those, those are values. Those are things that what's the biggest lesson you got from the alchemist. Um, the pursuit of happiness that the book challenged you to move forward and to the another from the doors that you have to open in life. Mm. And this is episode 
649. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 649. I know both those books are available on Audible or on audio. If you guys aren't listening to audiobooks, I, I'm telling you it's a game changer. I probably go through at least one book a week now just because of the power. I do a lot of driving and there's always a book playing. You can turn your car into a university. Uh, head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable if you are not yet an Audible member and uh, you're supporting the show if you use that link. Thank you. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Consistency. Consistency. Um, how do you stay consistent? Um, by being there, by, um, be in the kitchen, look at how plates come out, look at how service, how bar, how cocktails come out, how everything present from that, walls that, to the constant gentle pressure. Like Danny Myers, absolutely. Danny Myers says so well, um, this is the last question and actually it's not the last question. One more question. Then the last question, what is one piece of technology you've adopted within your four walls? that's had a huge impact on operations, communications, profitability, efficiency, anything along those lines. Toast and uh, Yelp. What was it about Toast that made you go with that platform? It's make my life easier. <laughs> what? <laughs> Since I don't want to, I don't. I'm in the kitchen, but it's it's um, they have um, more efficient, uh, quicker, more efficient, it, efficient, you said? yeah, quicker, efficient, quicker. Uh, for the staff, I don't like to really work in that area because I'm mostly in the kitchen. Yeah. But everybody, all my staff, they love to work with Toast because it's, it's an easier way to, yeah. to handle. Was there one variable, one aspect about Toast that really made you choose that one over other platforms? Um, there, I mean, the good, um, always get a response if we have any problems. They're always there with us. Then customer if anything happens, customer service. Gotcha. Uh, what is, okay, this is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Be good, be kind, be the best you can be. Be good, be, be kind. kind, and be the best, the best you, you can, can be. be. I love it. This has been a great conversation, Lisa. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's one restaurant operator you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? Bruce Auden and Mark Bliss. Bruce Auden and Mark Bliss, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show and let the folks at home know. And Diego Galicia. And Diego. And coming after you too, Diego. Look out. Uh, how can we connect with you if we want to maybe come and join your team or we have questions about your story? We want to maybe shoot you an email or connect on social media. What's the best way to connect? My email or you have my phone number or Instagram. <laughs> All right. I'll make sure to put those uh, contacts in the show notes. Again, head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 649. And again, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge, your story, your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> All right, there's another one in the archive here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much to today's guest mentor for sharing your story, your knowledge, and your guidance. We are all better because of it. And ladies and gentlemen, I need to let you know that Jared and I are back on the road beginning September through November. We're going to be hitting up Denver, Colorado, Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, pretty much 
anywhere and everywhere in between. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you know of a mentor that needs to be made an example of a, a restaurateur doing it right, please put them on my radar. Hit me up, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram, Twitter, at Eric Cacciatore, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Also, we're looking for crash pads. So if you have a spare bedroom or you have an Airbnb that you want to let Jared and I use to uh, you know, live this mission of transforming the industry, we could use your support and thank you in advance. You know how to get in touch with me. Again, that's Eric at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Peace.